Hello and welcome to the Super Turd Podcast with your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert, where we'll talk real estate, sports, business, and beer in the triangle. And now, here's your host, Michael Turbot. And welcome to the Superstar Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Turbin, your local real estate expert with the Attic Trevor Group, Cobalt Bank and HPW, a.k.a. Super Turb, a.k.a. Coach Turb. And I can't thank you enough for coming and joining us on our podcast today. I started this podcast, oh, sugar, last fall, talking about real estate, business, sports, and beer in the triangle. Really good to have entrepreneurs here, not only real estate updates, but entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches, you name it, come and tell your story, what motivates you, what drives you. And I can't have a better guest than next to me, Michael Martin with the Martin Mortgage Group with Fairway Mortgage. Not only is Michael a great friend of mine, he's also one of my preferred lenders. So I was like, you know, what better than to have Michael come on? And we talk about a whole lot of things, but mainly also talk on the market where he thinks interest rates are going. Because I don't know if you saw my last video as Fortune Teller Turb. We don't have crystal balls, but we do our best to at least see what's going on. So we got a lot of great questions and and. Michael will get into more questions, but he's been doing this since 2002. So you've seen pre-financial crisis, financial crisis, post-financial crisis to craziness. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, before we get started, I always have a real estate update, Michael. And my real estate update today, you know, it's hard to believe. I just did the market update on uh, Tuesday. Um, We always try to do a monthly market update when we get the stats from the Triangle MLS. And... It's crazy. We're halfway through, more than halfway through September going in, and for today's first day of fall. And so a lot of questions we have is, is this still a great time to buy, great time to sell? My answer is yes and yes. Great time to sell because we need inventory. As of right now, we still just have a little over two weeks of inventory here in Wake County or Raleigh, North Carolina, surrounding areas. And then on the buy side, maybe you've been in the market. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe you're tired of going up against 10, 15, 20 offers. I just sold a home last week with three offers still got max value for our clients but only at three offers i say only three it's funny what we get used to here in this market but if you get one if you're still thinking about buying i got a great guy next to you that we can start the process and get the game plan in order for you to win that's the number one thing in this get a game plan a roadmap, and get the right strategy to get you back into the market because there's going to be literally no better times to still buy and then the same token if you're thinking about listing you're like turb should wait till spring? Of course you can, but in all reality, I wouldn't. Why? Because a lot of people are thinking the same thing, and in the springtime, you're going to have even more competition. So if there's anything we can do to help you accomplish real estate goals, if you want a no-obligation market analysis, if you want to just know what to, start, what to do to start with the buying process, you're tired of paying up someone else's mortgage, reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to help you and get you on the way. So that's my real estate update today. I'm going to take a quick break. On the other side, i got Michael Martin. You ready? Yes, sir. sir. All I'm right. excited. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing in the triangle, Michael Turbot with the Ida Turbot Group, Coldwell Banker HPW, will put you in position to win. With almost 15 years of real estate experience, Michael and his team will help navigate you through the real estate transaction from beginning to end, always putting your best interest first. In today's competitive real estate market, now more than ever, Selecting the real estate professional to assist you with your biggest investment is vital. Please contact Michael Turbot today to find out more on what he and his team do to separate themselves from the rest and help you accomplish your real estate goals. Remember, who you work with matters. 
and Michael looks forward to hearing from you soon. And welcome back to the Super Turb Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Turbot, again, your local real estate expert here in the Raleigh-Durham, or Triangle Area, as we like to say, a.k.a. Super Turb, a.k.a. Coach Turb. And I have my guest here, Michael Martin with Fairway Mortgage. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. I'm hey. super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Man. I kind of already introduced you, but before we get started, tell everybody, get in your name, where you're from, what you do. Yeah. So I, my name is Michael Martin, and I have an incredible team uh, with me, Martin Mortgage Group. And so I've been a mortgage lender since 2002, but uh, not only I've been doing this for almost 20 years, but my mom was a real estate agent for 30 some years. My dad was a builder, architect, developer. So really been around it almost my whole life. That's awesome. And so again, you've already touched on been a lender since 02. You've been in the business and how long before, like, what did you do before becoming a lender? I know you, you've touched yeah. on that, but what, did you, what made you get into the business? So, interestingly enough, um, I, throughout high school and college, I worked in restaurants, uh, usually in the back of the house as a cook uh, or manager, and um, ended up getting into food sales. So, I worked uh, for a company called PYA Monarch, which is now U.S. Foods. Uh, many of you guys have seen them on the, tr- the trucks on the roads. And did that for four and a half years. Really have a great passion for the restaurant business. I like to eat, so I like to cook. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and frankly, never thought I'd end up in this side of the business. Um, one of my closest friends, still one of my best friends, uh, Pat Polson was with, um, at a bank, small bank at the time, CCB. Some of you guys that are local will, will know Central Carolina Bank. And, uh, I was, had some life changes going on and did not live in Raleigh, moved here, uh, in 2002 to get in the mortgage business. Uh, literally January second, two thousand two. I think we had a snowstorm the day before. I think we, had, you know, it was tough getting to work that first day. I but mean, that's crazy. It was almost twenty years ago. Yeah. So you've seen it all. And we're going to get to that here in a second. So um, leads to my next question here. Actually, I have one question. I'm putting in the back though, because that's going to be really good to hear. All right. Um, when you were first getting into the business, what would you say the hardest thing or adversity you faced getting into the business? So, of course, you don't know what you don't know, right, when you first start. Uh, I was blessed to have somebody, uh, my buddy, Pat, really kind of show me the ropes. Um, so, and at the time, rates were in the sevens, uh, which seems hilarious to think about, right, rates in the sevens, right? We all hear about our parents that had rates in the teens, yep. in, the, in the 80s, but rates were in the sevens and dropping. So, fortunately, I was able to cut my teeth really on refinances, uh, helping people that were bank clients that wanted to save money and in interest rates. So, um, yeah, that was kind of how I got my start. It was really just helping folks manage that. And then as you're in the business longer, you start to, to help people buy houses too. Yep. So you've seen a lot of changes. Tell everyone listening or watching about the financing world, I'd say pre-financial crisis, mm-hmm. and then also what it was like during mm-hmm. when everyone was just trying to hold on to their homes. Sure. And what you're seeing now. Great. Um, interesting. So when I first started uh, is when the – Alt A and subprime world started kind of really kind of creeping into. To so let's backtrack. Tell everyone that may not, you know, know what even subprime meant. Yeah. So uh, subprime, uh, many folks do know what that is because they know that's what started mm-hmm. the financial crisis. Uh, but subprime were folks that um, really couldn't qualify for traditional mortgage, and and therefore had to to find some sort of alternative type of, of lending out there. Usually they were given uh, a, a program that was called, it was a two-year arm. So they'd have a teaser rate or a low rate or a low-ish rate um, uh, for the first two years, and then rates would start adjusting. And um, the, the goal always was, uh, I've never personally done a, a subprime loan. We didn't, we didn't really offer those back then. 
Um, but the goal for those folks that got into that was that they would get this rate that would be re- reasonable and manageable, and then they'd fix their credit or fix their situation and then refinance into a conventional or uh, you know, a paper loan. Uh, the reality is many of them never really changed their habits, and then all of a sudden these notes, uh, these rates started getting uh, moving upward very, and then they couldn't make their payments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, during that period of time, loans that we were doing that were really becoming uh, available because there was so much uh, supply. There was a, this kind of infinite almost supply of money, and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac were trying to uh, create opportunities for lending. And so we created this, or they created something called Alt-A, which means you didn't necessarily have to provide or proof of your income. You could state your income. Or in some cases, if you couldn't state an income that made sense, then we would go no-doc. Uh, and no-doc mean you didn't even have to tell us what your income was. It wouldn't even be on an application. Uh, we'd really be reliant on either a down payment or uh, a credit to help us qualify someone. Um, so you had this trickle-down effect. If you couldn't qualify for this program, then you would qualify for this one. If you couldn't, at the end of the day, uh, back then, if you could fog a mirror, right, you, you could house. get chill in. And it's amazing because obviously during the then we were in the financial crisis, which to me was 08 to really 15. I mean, there was that window where, but as as things were going on, supply got less and less because in the height of the recession, we had about a 19 month supply of homes. Over 20,000 active listings. You look at today, we have 0.6 months inventory as of our last report there from Triangle MLS. And it's about 45 homes on the market now. And it seems like it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's yeah. really not, nothing out there. And so, again, it's kind of going back to my previous segment where still no better time to sell. And of course, there's advantages of buying because the rate's obviously being so low. And it seemed like during the financial crisis, things tightened up quite a bit. And I started in August of 06. Mm-hmm. And I experienced about six months of the Wild Wild West, as I called it. And I bet you my first 12, 10 were 100% financing, or they're doing 80, 20s, sure. avoiding PMI. And people were relying on the equity of their homes to build, or the appreciation of their homes to build their equity. And that's where I'll let you touch on this as well. That's when people talk to us now. Everyone's kind of waiting for this foot to drop, or, you know, it's this, this crash or this bubble. And I always tell people, you need, a, you need inventory first to have a bubble. And two, the people that are buying today are buying with equity. Yeah. I mean, they're putting that to win in this market. You have to put a significant money down where we still think things are going to continue to grow. But let's say if they had to call me next year and say, hey, Turb, we had something happen in our life. We've got to move. They're not going to be in the sort of trouble that we saw, you know, a dozen years ago. And do you want to comment on that? Yeah, you know, the reality, like you said, so many people were doing 100% financing back then. Like you said, 80% first with a 20% second. Heck, I did that in 2007 mm-hmm. myself. We did it too. Um, there was seemed like no reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you know, and again, we had all these different types of loans that were just so much more risky. And in today's environment, today's world, folks are extremely qualified, right? They've got large down payments in most cases. Um, in fact, it's, as you know, it's really tough for first-time home buyers. I had a couple of meetings earlier today where I'm having conversations with first-time home buyers, and you really need somebody that's going to help explain um, how to get there, build a game plan, as you mentioned earlier, um, so that you can prepare. Because if you don't, you're going to be left out in the cold. And do you want to continue to rent where rents are going up 5 10 15%? Yeah, they're going up. Um, and, and the home prices. Again, going back to your bubble question, uh, I, I cannot imagine a world where we have a bubble in our market for a minimum of three to five years. In fact, I don't think we have a bubble period until, like you said, we have some sort of massive. Builders will have to overbuild, and they don't have the capacity, manpower, supplies, none of that land right now, at least developed land, to be able to do that for for quite some time. Uh, so I think there's there's you know. E- 
you know, whether you need to sell or need to buy right now, it really depends on your specific situation. Uh, there's no reason to sell if you don't want to leave your house, right? right. If you want to stay there, if you want to be there for a long time. Um, I'm talking to a lot of our buyers, and, and I know you're, you are too, Michael, uh, or, or excuse me, potential sellers, and saying, are you, are you in a home that you envision being in for the next three to five years? And if you're not, then now is a better time to sell than down the road. And it's not necessarily for the sale. It's really for the buy, right? Because the, the house home. that you're going to buy and take this great equity that you've gotten. In some cases, we were talking earlier about a you know someone who got $75,000, $100,000 of the equity in the last year. I have a client that we did a loan, uh, helped buy a house last year in April. Uh, he just got under contract to sell his house. I think it was like four fifty that he purchased, and he just sold it for five eighty yep. in I think sixteen months in carry. And um, you know, while he's going to have to pay some capital gains on that because he's mm-hmm. you know he, moved, he didn't wait two years, uh, but he's also going to be able uh, to take a bunch of equity. In fact, in his case, he's going to pay off some debt, knock out some debt, and then be able to buy a house that he's going to be in for the long term. Yeah, and and we'll just have a listing go live tomorrow. They pay two sixty two for just over three years ago. We're listing for three seventy four nine, hoping to even do better than that. And they're going to rent short term, and they're actually then going to be hopefully building. So it, it's the same thing. It's it's you know everybody was wants to wait for that perfect time, but right now it's a matter of capitalizing on what's in front of you. So it leads me to this question. So if you're a buyer, you know, looking to get into this market, maybe you're renting, or maybe you just haven't purchased in a while. Maybe you've been, or you may have had some financial hardships. Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say is the most important thing they do when researching a lender? Yeah. Because you get a lot of commercials. You see a lot of things on TV. All this zero closing costs, things like that, where if you're not really understanding what you're listening to, what, what would you be your best piece of advice? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't listen to the radio a whole lot, but uh, for some reason, my car right now, when I turn it on, it usually goes onto Bluetooth, and for whatever reason, it's kicking on the radio. So I constantly am hearing these commercials on the radio where they're advertising no closing costs, right? And then I have clients saying, and, and on bills, billboards mm-hmm. all over town saying no closing costs. Um, well, there's nobody that's going to have an attorney that's going to work for free or an appraiser for free, all that stuff. All that stuff has to be built into the deal in some way or the other. Mm-hmm. So um, what I would tell anybody that's thinking about buying a home, whether they're a first-time home buyer or even a move-up buyer, is make certain uh, that you that you get with a lender uh, that really takes some time to give you a full consultation. Uh, you know, for us, we gather a bunch of information up front, do a lot of homework, put some uh, things together, and then we'll do a, usually a 45-minute to an hour Zoom call with every single one of our clients to help them prepare. Mm-hmm. Uh, where most At the end of that consultation, I'll ask them if they've spoken with any other lenders. In an, almost every single case, they're saying, the other guy gathered some information, told me I was fine, and then said, let me know when you get under contract. And really didn't help them prepare, especially for the competition, right? Yes. For, for real estate agents out there like yourself, having a lender that's going to help really give that buyer the the um, preparedness, right, to, to know what it's going to look like to compete with 10, 15 offers. Maybe in the fall, it's maybe 5 to 10, like you said earlier, instead of 20 or 30. But at the same time, um, what happens if the appraisal comes in low, right? Preparing for an appraisal shortage, because if they don't have the ability for that, they shouldn't really be in the market, right? And they got to understand how that looks before well, I think, they get there. I think the biggest thing, too, and if you're listening on the podcast or watching in a different state, our state, we have what we call due diligence money. And when we tell people around it, like when we go to different conferences or just tell other agents what we do, they think we're nuts. Yeah. Because the way our contract works is not only do you put earnest money down, you put due diligence money down. And what is due diligence money? That's the money you're giving to the seller at the time of contract, kind of in good faith, 
to basically rent or buy the time to decide if you want to buy it. But now because we have multiple offers and a lot of people coming in from out of state with a lot of money, it seems like now with due diligence, it's anywhere from twenty dollars to $100,000. So why I love working with your team so much is I know, one, we're preparing our clients as well. You're doing the same. But when we go into battle, because that's what it is, no doubt. you got to make sure they close. Yeah. Unforeseen something crazy happened, like losing a job or something like that, but there's going to be no surprises. Because that due diligence money, once you close, it's credited back to the buyer. But if for any reason they have to terminate or they don't get to the finish line, you just paid the seller a lot of money. So that's key. So this leads me to another question, and I want you to elaborate more, is just talk about your team, who you have on your team, mm-hmm. and what makes you go. And then I'll kind of then go a little bit back from there to have you talk about how you started building the team. Yeah. Because I think you have some lenders that are going to be listening to this as agents, like myself, mm-hmm. and, you're, and, and I think one thing you do so well is just you have everything in order, you delegate, but you have the people on your team, you've created ownership with them, and so they almost treat it like their own. Yeah. And I and I think that's one of the things that separates you. Of course, I'm talking more for you, but tell more people about that. How you built the team. So first, introduce everybody if you could. Yeah. You know, or you know what what. It'd what be does, tough to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, without the seeing, time that we've yeah. gotten and showed her. But but the reality is, uh, so the my team captain is Nicole Blakeman. She's been with me for um, gosh six and a half years, a little more than that. Um, she's the one that really runs the show for me when I'm not there, uh, and and we've got just some amazing folks uh, beyond that. Um, really what the team does is manage when lead flow comes in, right? When, and maybe back up to why I started. A yeah. Team, Cause I think right? everyone, that's the first, that's the first thing that whether I'm, whether in real estate lending or really, you know, I mean like, okay, I need to do it, but a lot of people are afraid. Yeah. So the main reason we started a team is that you want to create uh, an experience for your clients that is creating a raving fan service, right? And the only way to do that is to give them a lot of attention. And while I love my role and I love my job, I also really love my family and I want to be able to spend time with them too, right? And and they very much appreciate that. So uh, in order to be able to give our clients a high level of service and a high level of time, we have to have more people. And so that's why I started creating a team to begin with is because we certainly wanted to grow our business, but I can't do it all myself. So um, uh, for us, and we're actually looking to hire, by the way, I want to make sure you know that too. We're we're looking to bring on at least uh, two more folks by the end of the team to help support the team. And we're looking to bring on loan officers that want to learn the tools that we've learned through the coaching that that, uh, I'm a part of. And now you are Mm -hmm. as well. to be able to, to learn what we do and grow their own business. So, and have my whole team to be able to help support them do that. But, um, you know, when a lead flow, a lead comes in, uh, it either comes to me or, or one of the, that we call LP ones or loan partner ones. And those folks manage the lead, help, uh, gather some information. And then they set up the zoom call, uh, with me or Nicole, our team captain. Uh, and again, we're taking a lot of time to really explain the process. We're gathering all the documentation. We're doing a full pre-approval versus a pre-qualification, and, and that you know is so crucial in this market, uh, especially uh, realtors out there that are allowing their clients to utilize a pre-approval letter from a lender they don't know or trust, getting the client under contract, and then hoping that this thing closes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after they've got twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars We had one that closed two weeks ago with $175,000 due diligence. Yeah. Um, you know, if for whatever reason, you know, clients don't know that they're supposed to tell us every one of these details. And so it's really up to the loan officer to be able to make sure we're asking and then verifying all that stuff ahead of time. Yeah, that's that's something that I when I know what our clients going to work with you or, to, you know, initially introduce you. 
I already prepare them for that. Like they're going to ask probably more questions than another lender, but they're wanting to make sure there's no surprises and make sure everything is ready to go when we go down that runway. Because when we go down that runway, we're going to take off. Yeah. So that's important. So, um, what would you say separates you from another lender or, or team? So I would tell you that's probably one of the main things is the thoroughness that we do up front. Right, the the all gathering all the documentations, doing a full review, explaining. So when I'm meeting with a client, or Nicole's meeting with one of our clients, one of the things I tell them right up front: first of all, I want to make sure we answer any questions that you have, whether you're a first time home buyer or this is the fifth time. If you haven't bought in this market, it is their, your first time, right? So we want to make sure that we fully understand and explain that. Then, uh, then we go through the application, just a second set of the eyes uh, from the loan partner to make sure that there's no nothing wrong there. Uh, that really sometimes catches some things that we wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. We're, I have humans that work for me, right? Uh, um, uh, as I am I, so they help me and I help them. Uh, so the second thing, and then we look at numbers. What's your purchase price range? What's your payment range? And then how much cash are we going to need to make this thing happen from a perspective of down payment, closing costs, and then inspections? All of those things we want to prepare for. And then we talk about what happens if it doesn't appraise. You go under contract for $500,000 and it appraises at four fifty. And that is a real thing that happens right now, yep. right? So, in fact, 40% of our clients right now, they're not appraising for the contract price. Now, I'm not telling you that to scare you. I just, and it's not always $50,000, right? It could be $5,000 difference. Mm-hmm. But you need to be prepared for that because the market's moving so quick that they really have to understand what that risk is. Again, because you're going to have that large due diligence check at risk. And you don't want to find out and be surprised later because that is... Is, would kill me, right? If I got a client under contract and then we couldn't perform for some reason that was in our control. Mm-hmm. That's what We don't like surprises. Or if we try to, we try to be planned for them. So these are the same conversations. As agents, real estate agents, we look at comps, right? But as I tell my client, you're the new comp. Well, you're not appraising the house. No, and right? we're not. And I can at least see what's closed in the last 60 to 90 days. But again, you're the new comp. And just because the home doesn't appraise doesn't mean it's worth not worth every penny. It's just the appraisers doing all they can to... to, to well, you know, more. Michael, what I tell clients, and this is a question I get asked a lot, am I going to overpay if I buy a house right now? And I, I actually, I think I disagree a little bit. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, you you may overpay for today. Today. Right? But next month, your home becomes the comparables for the ones that are going on the yeah. market right behind it. And, so, you know, within the next six months to a year... All the equity you may think you may be behind on to begin with is going to be you know, way more than you thought after you know in, in a couple of years. And also comparing it, okay, let's say wait, and you know, uh, I'm going to ask you this. In a well, that bit. same house we were yeah, just talking that, about, right? Not only numbers, but the, what, if, what if the rate goes from three to three point five? Yeah, you know, then yeah. I mean, that's one of the conversations, especially with monthly payments or what have you. Um, what motivates you on a daily basis? Um, a couple different things I'd say. Uh, my partners, like working with people like you, agents like you, really motivate me to, to be able to help you with your business. You help me with my business. Uh, that is super motivating to me. Uh, focusing on my team and their personal wants and goals uh, is extremely important. My team is really an extension of my family. Next week, for example, uh, or not next week, tomorrow, uh, my team is coming over to my house. I'm cooking them dinner, right, just like I would as, as a family member. And they're all bringing their kids, and we're going to have a great time. Uh, we do that fairly often. We hit a big goal back in July. I'm taking my team to New York City uh, oh, that's in October. Awesome. I just can't. I mean, so excited. So those things motivate me, and obviously, right, my family, my wife, my daughter, 
Uh, they're everything to me. Uh, sometimes, you know, we, we work so hard to provide for them that sometimes it doesn't feel like that for them because we're working so darn hard. Right. Um, but those are the things that, that take, take the time. Cool. Yeah. And you, you mentioned goals. So what are your goals for your team? Um, well, so there's some individual goals. Have you already sat down for 2022? No. Well, I have a good idea, right? Uh-huh. So our goal this this year, um, uh, originally we had a goal and a stretch goal. So our goal mm-hmm. this year, uh, last year we did $65 million in loans, which our goal was 52. Nice. So we ended up doing 65. Uh, of course, we didn't expect last year to happen, right, with rates dropping like they were. So we got mm-hmm. a little bit lucky there. But we also did 88% of our business last year was purchase business. Only 12% was refinance, where the market was actually 75% refi and 25%. Right. So we really focus on our realtor partners um, and to make certain we could service them. And frankly, a lot of other lenders were focused so much on this, you know, um, the, the low-hanging fruit and refis. And, and that's why you guys, realtors, saw drop levels and service drop with your lenders. Um uh, this goal this year again, eighty was our goal. We, we're going to hit that. We know. So we've kind of our stretch goal is a hundred million next year. I'd love to see us do one hundred and twenty. That's awesome. Um, so where do you see yourself five years now professionally? Um, that is a interesting question that I have put some thought in, but I haven't got it dialed in like I, I really want to. Um, really, by five years, we'd love to be a two hundred million dollar team, but also uh, continue to grow the the you know our actual support staff and help them and focus on their goals and then. Again, I mentioned earlier, we're looking to hire loan officers, um, maybe not even experienced loan officers, but folks that want to learn this business, uh, just like your business, both of our businesses are, I don't know what the average real estate agent is, but uh, the average lender or loan officer is something like 58 or something like that. So um, at 56, 58, fortunately, I'm not quite that old yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, I hope to be in the business still when that when I am that age, right? Uh, but I want to be able to help young people uh, learn a business that can really provide a great opportunity for them and their, their family. So we're looking to continue to grow loan officers. Uh, we've got one on my team right now that's looking to grow that way, or he is growing that way, and, and we're looking to add some more. That's great. And what do you love about what you do? Um, you know, everybody says the, the cheesy, I love to help people. But at the end of the day, um, fortunately, me helping a lot of people also helps my team. It also helps my family, yep. helps the, my partners. And all those things kind of compile right together. What's interesting because it, that's what we do. And it's interesting about what, what one transaction creates for so many people. Yeah, so many jobs. It's, it's amazing. But, yeah, I mean, that's where we're here to help, you know, service and, and create dream i mean you know help people on a daily basis which is always awesome yeah so that's cool again no crystal ball but what do you see the rates doing in the next 12 to 15 months yeah i'll give you my best guess there but i have to point out uh-huh. real quickly to you and your crystal ball with your, your video right <laughs> i'll so, go get my hat if you yeah want um well it was interesting uh if you guys listen to or those that you listen to um the podcast uh i think two two sessions ago 33 or 32 zach, zach, zach gave you a little shout out Hey, Jen. Good to see you. Um, so, but what I was going to say is you predicted, there was something you spe- specifically, you said, I've got a listing. We're going to list for, uh, a buyer bought a house for $300. we are going to list for three seventy five, and I predict it's going to sell for north of 400 and sure enough, it did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happened since two, two podcasts ago. So I think it's yeah. pretty cool. Um, as far as what I think is going to happen this rates, here's what I know for sure. They're either going to go up or they're going to go down or they're going to stay the same. Yep. But they're unlikely to stay the same. What I think will happen, right, we have this inflationary pressure. Sean talked about this last week in the mm-hmm. last podcast. We have inflationary pressure um, because of the supply chain issues that are happening. And overall, you know, if we have inflation issues, you will see rates rise. It has to happen. 
Um, it is it is an absolute rule when you have inflation because mortgages at the end of the day are really bonds that are being traded on Wall Street. So you're going to get a fixed rate of return for people. And you, every one of us that has a 401k or an IRA has mortgage bonds in there. And if you are uh, buying a bond, whether you're doing it intentionally or through uh, some sort of mutual fund, um, the the, the bond, if if rates go up, excuse me, if there's inflation that goes up, right, then you have to have an interest rate that's going to go up with it. Otherwise, your the money, the value of your money is actually dropping, right? So if, if you're getting a rate of 3% and inflation's at 1%, well, you're netting a 2% gain. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then, of course, if inflation goes to 3%, well, now you're getting zero. If it goes to 3.5% and, and you have a 3% return, well, you're literally losing money by owning that. Well, people will get rid of it and buy. You have to get a higher interest rate for that case. So uh, I think uh, we do have some inflationary concerns. Overall, I think rates are going to stay pretty low. The government has made it very clear that they want to keep rates low. I think they've actually created an environment that's going to be really hard for rates to ever get in the 5 to 6 to 7% range. Um, so while I do think rates are low, we don't know. Right? Yeah. And, and I still think because we know they are low now, it's still time to buy or refinance. And that's a huge opportunity, by the way. So many of your listeners uh, and past clients and so forth have so much equity and they have no intention to move, but maybe they've carried some debt. Mm-hmm. That we can go ahead and take out with that and knock it out so they can get their cash flow back. Or maybe they want a big project they want to do in their house. We can get some cash out of that and help them take care of that with one payment. They don't have to worry about an equity line or something like that that's going to cause an issue. That always helps. Yep. Um, I just did a heel up myself. <laughs> yeah, you did. You got a little project you got Yeah, we know. We're excited. And we maximized the equity in just a year we've been in there. That's so. right. We have to refinance right. you afterward. So two questions, and <laughs> we're going to get to some fun stuff. This has already been fun, but rapid questions, as I say. New lenders coming up, just like you want to hire one. Mm-hmm. What would you say, what would be the best advice to give them They're going into year one? Yeah, so first thing is, um, uh, if you're becoming a new lender, you want to learn yeah, as much as you can, but don't be so afraid that you have to learn everything. Uh, surround yourself by good people that can help you. Uh, I will tell you that was a huge key, key in my beginning of my career. I had a couple guys in my office. Uh, fortunately, again, I mentioned to you it was a refinance boom. So if we made a mistake, or I should say if I made a mistake, or maybe even when I made mistakes, I wasn't changing people's lives. They weren't missing a moving truck. Or I wasn't upsetting a real estate agent. So it was a good place for me to learn on refinances. But uh, where I'd go with that is you want to learn the guidelines as much as possible. Uh, right, but getting your license, just like a real estate license, it doesn't teach you how to run your business. It teaches you how to pass a test. Right? Yes. Right. Um, so uh, surround yourself by really good people. Uh, don't be afraid to call on agents. Uh, you know, agents are, are a big part of our business. Uh, create a database. That is something just in your business as well as mine. A database took, is your life. Took me fifteen years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> create a database. Um, and then, and then stay in touch with your database, right? That is the best way. And a database doesn't have to be necessarily people you've done business with. It's your sphere of influence. And people that know you, people that you like, uh, and, and those, are, those are really some of the keys I would tell people. And, it, and you may repeat this. So if you could go back in time to early career, what would be the one thing you would tell yourself to do differently? Uh, well, that would certainly, yeah, I'm going to repeat myself there yeah. because I did have kind of a database. I left, uh, after four and a half years in the business, I left an origination job to go manage. So I didn't think I needed my database. Uh, so, gosh, I remember then what happened after that, uh, uh, the crash happened, right? So then I had to get back into origination and I had an Excel spreadsheet that had all my past clients, but all I had was a name and address. I didn't have a fund or anything. <laughs> My wife worked with me at the time, and we knew this refinance boom in 2008 was coming. Uh, and literally, she went uh, and went through the Wake County website and 
uh, I think we just had names actually. So she went there and got all their addresses, and we started mailing to this database, you know, that we could do refances. And sure enough, they, they started to come back to me. Um, but that was, it could have been so much easier to yeah. do at the beginning and just keep it. Yeah, it's, and keep in maintaining it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people started and then they yeah. let you get busy or whatever. So, well, these are great. So, all right, so I got some rapid questions I like to always ask my guests. All right, cool. You know, you've already heard some on my previous podcast, but it's still always fun. Uh, favorite place you've traveled? Favorite place I've traveled. Okay, um, I've, I've been blessed to travel a whole lot. Um, I'm going to say uh, England. Uh, only because I'm getting ready to go take my family there next summer. My wife and daughter, neither one have ever been there. Uh, I'm real excited. I lived there for three months and when I was in college, and, and it was a blast. That's, I went over there to you know study abroad. All I did was really study beer. Cool. <laughs> All right, place you haven't been but want to go. Uh, haven't been but want to go. Now, it doesn't count next summer. Yeah, yeah, I've been there, so that's mm-hmm. it. But yeah, okay. haven't place, place I haven't been I want to go, there are a million places. One of the things I would probably say – um, is the coast of Italy? That would be that would be that would be awesome. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? <laughs> there's a I know there's there. different genres, but yeah, you can always name there. a couple. Um, That's always tough. I have to say, Pulp I guess Fiction. Pulp Fiction because um, it's one of those movies where you see it on TV, no matter where it is, you'll yeah. start watching it. Yeah, Friday is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> you get fired on your day off. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, gosh, uh, Sean even mentioned uh, um, uh, what did he say? Gosh. Forrest Gump, I love. Yeah, yeah Forrest Gump to me is uh, I can't stop watching that movie. Um, anything Tom Hanks has done is awesome. Yeah. So. Uh, favorite food. Favorite food. All right. So this is one that I love to make. It takes my wife and I've gotten in many a fight because how long it takes for me to cook dinner. We eat dinner at midnight when I make this. <laughs> uh, is uh, short ribs, so braised short ribs. Ooh, that sounds good. I use Daniel Boulard's uh, recipe from uh, Daniel, uh, which is a restaurant in New York. Nice. Favorite restaurant. My you can always go local. Town. No, I'm going to go local for All sure. Right. Uh, I will do actually do local nationally. So my favorite restaurant I've been going to for uh, eight, I guess 19 out of the 20 years I've been living in the Triangle is Cafe Tiramisu. Yeah, I love that place. Uh, it, it still has the same staff for the most part. That's been for literally the entire time I've been there. The menu is almost identical. They've made a couple ch- changes, but you know what you're going to get every time. I take people there. They love it, and then they start going there. So that's Make, one of my favorites. Making me hungry. Yeah. That's yep. good. Um, oh, I will have to say my other favorite oh, yeah, yeah, national. is Hall's Chop House in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. My wife and I go there every year, and it is amazing. Hall's Chop House? Hall's Chop House. I haven't been there. Uh, there is a book will, uh, waiting to be written uh, on the service level that that restaurant provides. I've never experienced anything like it. Uh, every time, I should say every time, except for the last time we went, which uh, was a couple months ago, um, every other time I've ever been there, uh, Billy Hall, the owner of the place, is there literally to open the door for you when you come in. He comes by the table, he brings you a champagne, um, and then he opens the door when you're leaving. I don't know how, how he does it, but it's pretty amazing. I'm gonna, I just wrote it down. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. I already know this one, but favorite sports team. <laughs> and I got uh, and that's with the twist. It is <laughs> because you're trying to convert me. Uh, I don't even know that I have a favorite sports team anymore because they all. I'm an ECU pirate. I love the Pirates. Uh, I grew up in Northern Virginia, so uh, I was a Washington Redskins fan. Now a Washington football, football team, team fan. It's hard for me to say that. Um, uh, so, but it's painful. Well, because I'm going to put because you're going to come to the game with me, and so we're going to have to put a little bet on that when we yeah. play the Panthers. Well, so we could do that. We'll do that. I just so. need to make sure I'm paying attention to the line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, any two people you could have dinner with, whether they're dead or alive? Oh goodness gracious! Um, oh, dead or alive? Uh, my any two people? I don't know. Uh, 
Man, that's a really tough it question. It is. That's why I I'm trying you. to think of something so I'm not taking forever. Uh, now it's all right. We got all those people. Time. We're good. A couple of those people that uh, that I actually have had dinner that I would say. Uh, I was going to say Rick Ruby, but you know I've been blessed to have dinner with him a few times. Yep. Uh, one of our, our coaches. Um, uh, yeah, I'd say my current coach right now I think would be great. Um, Brian Shudo. Um, I'll probably get a chance to have dinner with him in, in uh, a few months more in uh, Arizona. Uh, yeah, Arizona. Um, um, but uh, I'll just go with that for now. Okay, and another we'll, person? There's it probably a, a list of a ton of other people, um, uh, you know. But Andy Andrews, he's probably one of my favorite writers. I don't know if you've read any of his books yeah. or not, but he is he's a really interesting person. I love it. I love it. And then lastly, I ask everybody on the Super Tour podcast this question. I always say eventually whenever the podcast gets retired, who knows when that will be, I'll even put a book together. I need to go back and listen to everybody's answers. But the best advice you've ever been given and by who? All right, so I'm going to give you two two answers here. Um, first is by my dad, um, and my dad he maybe not said it in this way, but it's what I've received from it. Um, and I try really hard with my family to help encourage this, and I try with my team. Uh, and it's if you control your attitude, you can control your success. Uh, because the reality is, so many things happen to us. It's how we react to them that makes all the difference in the world. Um, and the other part that I'd say, and I don't necessarily know who I learned it from. Uh, but it's just really focusing and living a life of gratitude. Um, my team, I actually brought you a little gift here. Uh, it's in your office. But um, my team, every single Tuesday, uh, interesting enough, yesterday, which of course Tuesday, and uh, it was National Gratitude Day. I oh, knew, I, know, I didn't know that. I happened here on the radio, which is funny. And we do this thing every single Tuesday on our team meeting called Grat Tuesday. And it's really where we focus on, everybody's kind of focuses on something that they're very grateful for. It's really hard to get upset when you're focused on gratitude. And every one of us has something to be super grateful for. I love it. I love it. My, I, I've said this a few times that mine was, is finish. You know, when she starts something, you mm. finish. I got that from my high school coach. Um, That's what my dad you know, told me, too. And, you know, if you, I tell it to my son, my daughter, if you start, whether that's a team or a project and even shooting a layup and you miss, you finish. Um, that's from my old coaching background on the bass, on the, on the hardwood. Um, because there's times where I was unhappy or, you know, you, it's easy to quit. Yeah. And that's what I quit a lot as a kid. Yeah. And that's uh, a difference is just finish, finish out the process. And there's also, that comes into our business because there's certain transactions you're like, oh my gosh, this, just one's, get this, one yeah, this one's tough, <laughs> uh, you know, and it is just doing it the right way and finishing. So that's cool. So I appreciate you coming on, man. This has Thank been a lot so of fun. Before we get off, let everybody know, of course, when we finish, I'll tag you, tag the team. But if you want to let everybody know how to reach you. Um, if they want to start, you know, their financing yeah, goals. Yeah. So if you have any questions regarding anything regarding uh, a mortgage, financing, buying a house, um, my website's probably the easiest way to find me. All my contact information is there. It's yournclender.com. So that's Y O U R N C L E N D E R.com. Uh, my cell phone's 919 612 9978. Uh, but yeah, happy to help answer any questions. Whether you work with us or not, we're happy to help you. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to take a quick break. You're going to just finish up the show with me. I'm going to talk about our local beer of the week. Excellent. All right, so we'll be right back with our local beer of the week. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing in the triangle, Michael Turbot with the Ida Turbot Group, Coldwell Banker HPW, will put you in position to win. With almost 15 years of real estate experience, Michael and his team will help navigate you through the real estate transaction from beginning to end, always putting your best interest first. In today's competitive real estate market, now more than ever, selecting the real estate professional to assist you with your biggest investment is vital. 
Please contact Michael Turbot today to find out more on what he and his team do to separate themselves from the rest and help you accomplish your real estate goals. Remember, who you work with matters, and Michael looks forward to hearing from you soon. And welcome back to the Super Turb Podcast. And I'm your host, Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert with the Ida Turbot Group, Cobalt Banker, HBW, and the Raleigh Durham, what we like to call Triangle Area, a.k.a. Super Turb, a.k.a. Coach Turb. And I always like to talk, Michael, local beer of the week. Just because we have so many breweries, of course, I'm trying to limit the, the beer. I'm actually going to go work out after this. Um, well, tomorrow's game day. Yeah. So the grill's probably going to be on about 2 o'clock. <laughs> so things are going to happen. Thursday night game, huh? Yeah, we're playing uh, the Texans on the oh, road. Wow. So my wife's already prepared. She understands what's happening tomorrow. Um, but I wanted to actually give a shout-out to a good friend of mine, Anthony Scalese. He's the owner of Wakefield Tavern. And Wakefield Tavern is in North Raleigh, right off Falls of the Noose, um, essentially almost in Wake Forest. But uh, they have one of the best restaurants I've been to. Talk about service, raving fans for sure here. Well, they're putting on a, an event that I'm actually going to be able to go to. Uh, it's the third annual breast cancer benefit dinner, and it's for the Susan G. Komen Foundation. They're actually, it's 150 ahead, but that's with that you get a four-course four meal. That's going to be amazing, and they're capping it, I believe, at 50 people. So I think as of talking with Anthony yesterday, they were probably about two-thirds there. I'm going to post the uh, flyer in the comments, guys, if you're watching this on social and you want to get in and, and, and help out a great cause. But not only – and it's actually going to be – let me tell you the date. It's going to be October 11th. I believe that's a Monday, 6.30 to 10.30. And um, I just can't wait. One, it's a great cause, and two, it's going to be, be able to meet a lot of great new people. But with Wakefield Tavern, if you haven't been, you need to go – Say Turb sent you, and you talk about great beer. They have great beer locally, obviously, nationally, but uh, they have a great variety. But I also have good friends just about three doors down at D's Bottle Shop. So if you want to go and try even more beer on tap, go check them out. Then you go over to Wakefield Tavern, or better yet, you can actually take Wakefield Tavern food to D's Bottle Shop. It's multidimensional there. But, again, go check them out. It's people I really like, I really respect. And, of course, another thing I do in the podcast is just trying to promote local business owners and what have you. So, can't thank you guys enough again for joining me on the Super Turb Podcast. It's hard to believe it's been 34 episodes. I'm having a blast. If you're a local business owner, entrepreneur, coach, anybody that wants to promote your business, reach out to me, message me. I'd love for you to tell your story. Same token, if you're thinking about it all, buying or selling in the market, in the triangle, you're coming in from out of state, and you just want to know where to start, please reach out to us. Again, it's Michael Turbot, your local real estate expert with the Out of Turbot Group, Cobalt HBW. Oh, lastly, if you do like the podcast, please like, subscribe, leave a comment. The more the merrier. I have Michael Martin here. Anything else you want to say? No, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. What do I always say? Who you work with matters. See you next time.